Welcome to Elements of Community, a podcast about discovering and exploring the elements of community. I am Lucas Root, and each week we talk with a community leader about what makes their community thrive and bring value to both the leaders and the members. Join me as we unpack the magic of the elements of community. Welcome to the show, Scott. I'm delighted to have you on here. You you come extremely well recommended, and we had a really fun pre-show conversation a couple of weeks back, so I'm excited we actually get to press the record button, and, and here we are. Thank uh, you for having me today. It's, it's a great way to spend a Friday. It is, right? <laughs> <laughs> having a chat about community with another community buff. <laughs> No, exactly, exactly. I mean, this you know, it's Friday afternoon. I, I'd rather be talking about community than putting together a presentation. You can't take that back. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Once I say it here, it's like set in stone or verbal stone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone's gonna know. <laughs> Would you like to tell our audience a little bit about yourself? Sure. So I'm a native New Yorker. And I live in California, so I tell people I'm obnoxious and driven and aggressive inside, and but outside I'm a, you know, laid back, soft, gentle. Try and be a gentle soul, like we are in Northern California. But I've spent you know the last 25 years working in Silicon Valley for tech companies, mainly B2B, working at companies like Intuit and Google, Adobe, Marketo, and HubSpot. All those are big companies. Do you have any reputable companies on your resume? Let me see if I can find one. Hold on. And uh, But for all of those companies, I've really focused a lot on community and customer engagement. And starting last March, I decided to, the second thing about me you should know is I like to go into my uncomfortable space. And so I really wanted to find a startup or early stage company to work with. Uh, And so one of the companies we used at HubSpot was called Base. They were a crowdvocate at the time. They changed their name to base, like customer base. And so we focus on customer marketing automation and really helping people in the retention roles automate their their you know workflows, attribution, mm-hmm. et cetera. And you know, you and I were talking earlier about you know these five the five guiding lights to a good community. And you talked about heart. And so putting titles aside, I call my team the care team. Because we focus on caring and customer focus, but also that acronym starts stands for community, advocacy, resources, and education. Oh, you're talking my language. Mm, yes. Wow. I'm blown away. I actually didn't know this, so I'm blown away. This is awesome. How'd you come up with that? I, you know, when I went to the company, I focused a great deal of my career on creating seamless experiences on the front end for customers and on the back end. And when I go down that path, there's usually like five or six different areas of the business I'm trying to integrate. And so those are some of them. But then also, you know, as we know, as community people or people in the community space, like how do you put a human face? How do you humanize the whole experience? You know, there's so many times in these companies that I've gone to where they'll say, well, you know, what's the ROI within you know, the first 30 days. And, 
you know, I go back to ROI is important when you're in a company, no doubt about that. And I'm definitely bottom line driven, but you know, Mm -hmm. how do you move from transaction to something? How do you move from transaction to transformation? How do you build those relationships? And so transaction to transformation. And so that's, so I'm thinking that could be the title of my new book. So don't, don't make that the title of your book. We'll talk about that later. So, <laughs> so in terms of putting a human face on it, you know, I could you say, heard it here. <laughs> oh my God. Like, I hope my wife's not listening because she's going to be like, you're committing <laughs> to all these things. But yeah, so I can tell you, I do customer engagement community, but if I tell you I'm in, it just, it resonated more with me and I'm just hoping it resonates with others that I'm in a caring role you know, and that caring does stand for something, but that's what I'm, that's what motivates me. Hmm. Caring does indeed stand for something or at least it ought to. Exactly. Yeah. Amazing. Can you describe what community means to you and to your team? Yes. It's a really good question. So for the community team and the communities I've managed, it's really, I look at like from a community, from a person perspective, you know, I am in the B2B space. So I focus on these kind of three areas. One is, I mean, helping people with the product that we're selling or mm. trying to help. So that could be questions and answers and how to's. Two is how to help them improve their craft, right? So they want to be, be better marketers where I am today. And when I was at Intuit, how could they be better entrepreneurs and small business owners? And then the third part of the triad is how to help them accelerate their careers. So you're getting a sense I talk in threes. So it's product, craft, and career, and really helping people in those areas. And starting out, you know, we just want to find a small group of like-minded individuals. In our case, it's customer marketers or people who are in what we call customer-led growth, just helping them in those areas, product, craft, and and career. Hmm. Cool. And do, do, do your customers gather? Do they, do they do projects together? Are they, are they interested in knowing each other and sharing with each other and knowing you and sharing with you? Yeah. So historically we've helped manage a Slack, Slack community of these like-minded people. And we learned a lot from them and I can talk about some of the learnings, but now we recently were in day 46 just launched what I call what we call the CLG campus. It's a customer-led growth campus, a CLG campus. And you can go there, clgcampus.base.ai. But it's really a place for individuals in customer-facing roles to learn from each other. So there's, you know, over 200 uh, resources there. There's community aspects to it, et cetera. But the key is, I describe it in two different ways. One is it's like an open source resource center. So anybody can contribute. So we have courses on there where, you know, we have about 20 courses and they've all been taught by practitioners, right? So there's the practitioner who is giving back and it's not just a one to many asynchronous course. Part of this is each practitioner is doing like office hours or live, live sessions as well. Right. So we're forming these little groups around courses that will expand over time. And the, you know, the reason we're doing it as well. And I think we talked about this before we started today is, you know, technology companies are selling cars in my mind, like they're selling technology, they're selling something 
that, you know, you, you get in front of and you use, and someday, you know, you can just use, you know, drive the, drive your product. And I know like some of the companies I worked at are looking at this where you can just give verbal commands, but it's technology. And most of the people I interact with are trying to understand, like, how do you do marketing automate? How do you use marketing automation? How do you use sales automation? And so instead of just putting them in the car, the CLG campus is like a big driver's ed program where mm. you're learning what to do when you go to a stop sign. You have classmates. And so you can learn through collaborative learning about, you know, how to, how to work together and understand this industry. So to, a long-winded answer to your question is, you know, what we're doing is trying, we have the CLG campus and are trying to bring people together in small groups because we think that, you know, like-minded people want to get together in small groups in the beginning and have this place that they can go to learn about their products, improve their craft, and accelerate their career. That's great. How do you create engagement and, and support it? Yeah. So there's a number of ways. I mean, we we have, you know, kind of I'll call it traditional community moderation. So we have activities around that. Two is because, of, you know, we're really starting at ground zero. So we do a lot of events and office hours and and webinars. And I think a lot of times people either get stuck in making those a one-time event or don't know how to get beyond the one-time event. So we're really trying to create these mini movements, I'll call them. So, you know, you launch a course and you have a cohort of people and then you get them into an office hour webinar session, and then you start building on additional activities. Hmm. And so the community is traditional internet discussion threads, which I have another acronym for that. So most communities I call SAD, they're siloed, add-ons, and discussion threads. So we're really trying to say, okay, how do we take this desire for people to interact with each other, build out these engagement areas throughout the whole campus? So I talked about these office hours. I talked about these cohorts of people that will take a course and continue together. I think the other thing too is you know, it's funny, we all talk about automation and things like that and scaling, but when you're launching a community, the human aspect, the human energy you have to put into it, you know, and finding that, you know, common language and common purpose, it takes, it takes work. I mean, the key is don't think of it as work if you really like it. Like, I don't really think of it as work, but, but it does take time. Maybe that's the better word. That you and, have effort. In a, and effort. But if you're passionate even, about this stuff, even when you enjoy it, it's still effort. Well, I don't think of it that way. Like, you know, I, I just like, you know, my mission or my goals are to create a play. And I, I've had this goal for the CLG campus for about four years. So finally I got to it, but you know, it's about bringing people together so they can, you know, improve their craft and accelerate their career. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. What is the purpose, if you don't mind me asking? The purpose, the common purpose is to just help people bring, bring people together who are in customer facing roles to help them like improve their craft and accelerate their career. I mean, it's, it's, it's that simple. And we're taking the approach that the, the practitioners, you know, and I think anybody who's doing community will appreciate this is it's kind of your, I'm going to take my car analogy you're helping start the car, but then you're giving the keys of the car to the community and mm -hmm. letting them run it. 
Mm -hmm. That's what we're really trying to do is have this open source, self-sustained a place. So, Yeah. For people to improve their craft and accelerate their career. Yeah. I mean, we're, you know, there's so much energy right now on, you know, LinkedIn, for example. I, I also, you know, I, I'm a community person, but I don't like spread myself thin across too many social networks. I just focus on LinkedIn, to be honest. So you can look for, look for me on Twitter. I don't say much there, but there's so much energy on Twitter right now of people, you know, really trying to, you know, share their humanness, share that, you know, share with each other about, you know, where they are in their lives and what they want to accomplish. And mm-hmm. I think it's, you know, it behooves all of us as community managers or community leaders to say, okay, how can you help with that? And so because I'm in a business, I'm trying to help them give whatever they can, give what I can in terms of helping them, you know, like with their craft and and their career. Yeah. Cool. I like it. Would you, would you mind describing to me what a, what an effective community is? What an effective community is. Well, there's no silver bullet. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Somebody just sent me something that was written in, what's it called? Marketing Sherpa in 2003, where Mm -hmm. I was asked like, what are the 10 points of a successful community? (laughs) So, So you can read that article and see if I say the same thing. Um, that's funny. I know. So Hey, you remember this? Exactly. I just posted it on the the CLG campus. So if I was quick here, I would just read it. But you know, I think, you know, you talk about purpose. I think that's really important. What is the common thing that's bringing people together? When I was at Intuit, you know, we we really were trying to help small businesses be successful, and the common thing was that and small businesses can relate to this is that you're wearing many hats and you're on your own you know? Yeah. And so you need that, you know, you know, you need to know that somebody else out there is going through the same stuff or the same SHIT that you're going through. And you're not going to have like, you know, all these superpowers, right? You're going to have some superpowers. And so, you know, helping each other can be like, is there somebody there who understands finance or somebody there who understands marketing? So I think that common purpose and that goal is uh, really important in terms of bringing, bringing people together. Something you've talked about in the past is projects. So, you know, in some ways on the CLG campus, you know, we have people creating courses together or trying to solve business problems together. And so there's a few of these courses, the live courses, at least, that are being taught by two individuals, right? And so they're working on it together. Uh, And projects actually resonates with me in, in another way, too, is that when I was at Udacity, I didn't drop that name earlier, but when I was at Udacity, one of the reputable company, one of the secret ingredients for their success is that they give their students projects. Yes. And and the projects are interesting because, you know, you, you can do them with another student. So that's fun, right? So there you have that collaboration and common purpose. You can do it to learn about something, but then when you're done with the project, you can go to your future hiring manager and say, this is my work. Like you can see, what, especially for like, you know, programmers and things like that. And so I think these common projects is also really key. And I think yeah, a lot of communities don't really focus on that too much in terms of, you know, just give a, give a common project to the, <laughs> to the community to, to work on. I think another thing too is the leader or the person jump starting this 
it's, I think it's really important that they come from, they're a member of the tribe or the audience that's part of the community. Mm. Not everybody agrees with me on this one because I've listened to some podcasts where people are like, well, you can have some experience with it. I can just tell you about my Intuit experience. Uh, and I talk about Intuit a lot because it's really affected my professional DNA. But, you know, I was there, I was running their e-commerce site and all these people were asking me to create a community. Oh, sorry, all these people were asking me to create content. Content was expensive back then. And so I said, well, maybe I'll create a community. So I thought I was really smart and I, I got, I kind of went to my, my Rolodex. Yep. But we had mm -hmm. Rolodexes that day. And I, I got you know, in touch with two or three community leaders and managers and said, can you work for me and help me build this community? It flopped. The first 15 days, all the alarms went off. And what happened was they never ran a small business and they didn't understand the product. And to another point is they couldn't speak that common language, right? And so, you know, I quickly pivoted. I mean, unfortunately, I knew these guys and said, sorry. And at the time, I went to the call center. Actually, I knew a lot about the call center then, which is another good story I'll get to in a second. And I, and this was, you know, 2002. And so there weren't a lot of people like community leaders. Now, the people I knew, they had worked on the well, and you can Google the well. It was very famous community back then. And so I went to the call center and I basically identified, created a process to identify people that could potentially be a great community manager because they spoke the language, they knew the products, and a lot of them had small, I mean, one of the things I said is they had to have their small, they, they had to have a small business in their, or small business experience in their background. It makes so sense. Those are just some of the things. The story I like to tell about Intuit is that when I got there and I was trying to, to learn about the product, I used to listen to calls in the call center all the time. And I, the first thing I told my manager is like, well, what do you need to be successful? I said, I need a couch. He said, what? <laughs> I said, I want a couch outside my office. My office was really small. And so I could just sit there and listen to calls all, you know, after hours. And I just listened to calls and, you know, I learned about, I learned a lot about the customer. But I also learned about which employees could really speak that language, which is probably another key ingredient to a successful community is, you know, training and guidance. Again, here's the threes, guardrails, guidance, and, and guides for your employees of how they can contribute to the community as well. Yeah. A couch. What a great idea. Yeah, so I learned my I learned my B two B community stuff by sitting on a couch and listening to customers. And you know, I I'm again the New Yorker side in me. I'm kind of presumptuous here. So I think a big problem with B two B marketers is that you know we talk about getting close to the customer. You know, I think you you never can be close enough to the customer. And so that was how I started out. You know, I mean, eventually we had something called Follow Me Homes, which you basically had to follow a small business. This so now this is like the old days when people bought like bought QuickBooks and Quicken in a store. So you'd you'd ask them if you could follow them back to their office. But that was really key. And so this will lead to another key key thing about community is you, you follow them to their office. Um, they let you in their office. You got their approval. It was it was an it was it wasn't an opt in. Yeah, it was an opt in. No, I don't know. But anyway, so but you understood their environment. And mm -hmm. what I mean by that is like 
looking at their desk, you know, like you got to know them. Scott Wilder has a baseball on his desk. So, you know, maybe that's something, some insight into him, you know, he's got, you know, some other nerdy things around here. You got to know their environment in terms of their desktop, like what other apps were there. And you mm. got to know, you know, what jobs they needed to be done or their pain points. And yep. I used to go into the, I was invited to the founder's office and he'd say, Scott, how's community doing? And I, there I was, cause you know, if I'm an MBA no, and I'd have my, about everyone else, but I'm picturing someone who's six foot two, you know, 270 pounds <laughs> and has a beard down to his waist. Yeah, no, he wasn't like that. He's he more had more more of an accountant look, but you know, he'd say, "So how are they doing?" I'm like, "Oh, he's a, an accountant. He wants to see the numbers." So he would take my spreadsheets and he'd throw them in the trash, and he'd say, oh. "I want I want you to tell me what they're saying, mm. and I want you to tell me what language they use, common language, right?" And there was, and so whether you were built the way, whether you were naturally inclined to get close to the customer or not, you got close to the customer because you didn't want to look like a fool the next time you met with the, the head of the company. So it's just, that's really been a big part of who I am. You know, Marketo did a really good job at that in terms of getting close to the customer. And they built this whole kind of, they call it the marketing nation, which, you know, in terms of values and everything we've discussed, they, I guess another ingredient, I should like list these out in bullet points, is how do you create that emotion in the show notes? Okay. How do you create that emotional connection? Mm. And so, you know, I'll be transparent. I worked, I ran HubSpot's community and it really had a lot of angst around calling it the HubSpot community because it just sounded very plain. What Marketo we did, and I had a great time there, but I just sharing with you, you know, this is kind of like, you know, therapy here. So I'm sharing with you my, my angst, but at Marketo, we called it the marketing nation. And we tried to unite, create that common purpose by everybody building this nation together, right? Mm. This this place. And people really, really felt comfortable with that. Like, you know, they talked about the marketing nation. They didn't talk about the, you know, I'm a member of the Marketo community. There was a higher calling. And, you know, being transparent, that's what I'm trying to do with the campus, right? I, we didn't call it like, you know, my company name place it's a campus where you learn together you collaborate and learn together hmm. yeah yeah i love it and obviously i have my own answer to this question but <laughs> what you're saying is collaborating and learning together creates and fosters that emotional connection yeah that's part of it right mm. you know it's part of you know the connection can be you know people struggling to be better at their jobs Right. You know, so so there's different things, you know, you know, right now and in, I think there's an, I hate to say there's an opportunity, but there's an opportunity for, there's a lot of people who are trying to figure out how to get back on track in terms of their careers. Right. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, we, we're offering a channel for that or a way to do that, but there's, you know, there's definitely, and I kind of, I guess I kind of see it. There's a lot of like these smaller, I'll call them coffee talk um, sessions, getting people getting together mm-hmm. so that the emotional connection is they're in the same boat, right? They're experiencing the same pain or, or whatever it is. And uh, I think finding, you know, those, like those people, you know, at Marketo, 
like a, it was partially work related, but it was partially there was marketing operations was really relatively new. And there were a lot, I guess it's going back to the craft. People were trying to figure out what marketing operations is. Yeah. So. Yeah. One of my, one of my favorite sayings is that we are not human alone. We're only human together. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Wow. Cool. Marketing operations. It's got to start somewhere, right? It's got to start somewhere. It, but it you, grew out of this emotional connection that you got to be a part of creating. Yeah. And, but a lot of that came up with, you know, my first 30 days was really interviewing and I hate to say living, <laughs> like just being, you know, real in the offices of the people who we were trying to, to market to, or to build a community for, hmm. um, you know, at Udacity, we did something similar because I, I tend to take my playbooks <laughs> from company to company is, you know, there were different segments of people. You? We had students that were data scientists, students that, you know, did something else. Mm -hmm. into AI. And so, you know, understanding, I guess this is another one is understanding those, those different sub tribes or pockets or groups of people and what's the commonality for them. You know, it's, and I think, you know, we all have, we probably have all like stumbled into these very esoteric or different types of communities that we might not want to be part, part of because, but that's because it's not us, you know, like knitting, you know, when my mother, when my mother was alive, I, you know, I found out she was part of a knitting community, you know, and I would never join a knitting community, but it was really, you know, it was her support group, right? Other knitters. She learned a lot from them. They had a common interest and they had a common, this emotional connection, you know, the, the subgroup she was in, you know, there's a certain type of knitting that they were doing. So I think, I think that emotional connection gets, doesn't get enough play in the community space. Huh. Yeah. And yet there it was. And to some degree, you've taken that experience of, of, of the knitting circle <laughs> and you found a way to redeploy that as a corporate asset. I'm trying, I'm trying. And it's never, you know, you do have a, you know, whether you're an entrepreneur or startup and you're alone or whether you're in a big company or just a community manager, it's definitely a team sport. It's not a one person show and people fall into that trap. You know, I mean, I've been in big companies where I've tried to do it alone. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Never does. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. Amazing. That's so cool. Can can I ask you about your big successes and failures in reverse order? Let's talk a big failure first and then and then move to a success. Well, I think one of them I told you about when I I mean I quickly pivoted it into it when I launched the community and I thought I was pretty hot because I had 15 done days. Yeah, so but so I guess another bullet you know silver bullet you need to have is look at the metrics on a daily basis, mm -hmm. you know. So that was one big failure. Another failure, this was a long time ago. So I worked for eToys. Oh, oh, hold on. I got another book title for you. Okay. My first 30 days. Oh yeah. Your 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 biggest success happened in your first 30 days because you spent the entire first 30 days listening. Yep. And and perhaps your biggest failure also happened. Perhaps, and I, I may be mis, mislistening or mishearing this, but perhaps because you did not spend the first 30 days listening. 
Yeah, I I think it was just I was just you know didn't catch it. I you know I'm not sure why, but it, you know I definitely caught it then. Another one was so dating myself here a little bit with eToys, if you might mm-hmm. remember eToys. So I worked at eToys and we were we were hot stuff then. We thought we were really cool, and so the brilliant idea that. I had or somebody had. I don't know. I don't talk to any of those guys anymore. So I'll say I, I, I had it. No, it was, it was definitely somebody else. Was to, you know, when you buy toys, and I don't know if you have kids, but you need a way to get rid of those toys when they grow up. Yeah. You know, and we have a closet here, just like it seems like it's always full, even though every six months we get rid of the kids' things they grew out of. So we we're going to launch an auction site a reverse auction site for parents to get rid of their old stuff. Sounds like a pretty, so we had this huge toy business and we thought, well, you know, we got, we got the, the, the customer list, so to speak, right? We know how to move inventory and we do that. Anyway, it failed when we, we actually even launched and all this stuff. Um, and it took more, you know, a little more than 30 days to realize that. But the reason it failed was we just couldn't compete against eBay mm. uh, at the time. But that was kind of uh, those were big, those were painful failures. <laughs> yeah, very cool. My first thirty days. Yeah, I think one thing too is, and if you have a small business, so you know, you, you mentioned beforehand, there's a lot of entrepreneurs and small businesses here. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's a few times I've had like consulting companies, and you know, as into it, I worked with small small businesses. I think it's really important to kind of do an inventory of what's working and what's not working, whether it's 30 days, every quarter, every six months. And I, I try and do that for my own life, you know, and my personal life and my professional life, you know? And, and so it's, I think that's, you know, you launch something like this huge e-toys auction site, or you launch, you know, a new community, or you have this new initiative, you know, being able to just like step back and say, okay, maybe it's not working and and pivot yeah just out of curiosity did you have a definition of what working is before you'd gone into that yeah it was so the the e-toys one i mean i always trying to have a qualitative and quantitative goal Mm -hmm. now communities are tricky because you know it's hard to say you know Everybody wants thousands of users and this and that. And I'll t- there's another bullet point I'll talk about in a second. So I try and be kind of realistic of what my quantitative goals are, but that qualitative, like if the qualitative information is positive, you have some real seeds to, to build on. Mm-hmm. Oh, what I was going to say is another kind of, it was under my, whatever I wrote years ago about community. Um, you know, think about your potential audience. Like when I left into it, when I left you know, Google and just doing consulting to a lot of small companies, they all wanted to create communities and they wanted like a customer community. Well, I'd say, well, how many customers do you have? And they'd say, well, we have, you know, a hundred customers. Yeah. 50. Yeah. And I said, well, let's do the math here. If, you know, if you get 10%, 50%, it's still going to be a kind of a lonely place. So really, you know, thinking through what you're, your potential market is, you know, for the, so base is a small company, you know, we mm. have less than a hundred customers, but the CLG campus has a, you know, 
anybody that's in a customer facing role, whether it's customer success, customer marketing, customer support can benefit from that. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Was that the other, the next point? Yeah. No, no, you're, I guess the old school would say you're addressable audience. Yeah. Here I'll say Um, it's your email addressable audience. Makes sense. Well, that's part of it. The other part was when something is a value to the community, right? When, when something has become something that's that's valuable to the members of the community, it should be valuable to all members. Everybody yeah. gets it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think the challenge is some communities will just focus on product-related stuff. Yeah. Right? So, you know, when, when you know, well, there was, I'm name dropping, but when I was at Google, for example, we, we had product related issues, but we also had these industry related issues that we were trying to help the community sort out. So we sold AdWords. It could be an AdWords product, but search was so important for small businesses. Mm-hmm. Right. So a lot of thought leadership around, around search or findability. Hmm. Cool. The, the what I'm what I'm connecting with here is you know a, a, in a very different way and using different language and a, and a different version of a product right but but when I show up to work and I get paid I want more than just to get paid in a in a very real sense I want to lo- I want to love the person that I work next to the person that I'm sitting next to in the cubicle right here I want to love them and I want to love showing up to work and working alongside them every single day and while that is a product, right? That is the product of us working together. That is the product of us coming into community together. It's not something you can package up in a bottle and ship to people. It's not something that I can list on my paycheck. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when people ask me, you know, what's your criteria for a new job uh, or for a job, you know, one of the first two or three things is, you know, the people, do I like the people? Hmm. I'm going to spend eight to 10 hours a day with them. You know, um, it's somebody I need to, in some way, love. Yeah, no, exactly. And, you know, then you want to be able to, at least for me, relate to the product. And that goes back to it's, it doesn't feel like effort if I can relate to the product and if I use Mm. the product, Um, lots of stories, I can go down a path about that, but, but yeah, the people you're going to spend time with. And, you know, I, I think if 20 years ago, if 10, even 10 years ago, that was probably less of a criteria, but, you know, with the generations, you know, I did write a book on millennial leaders somewhere here. I don't even have it anymore, but that was one of the things that really resonated, you know, really came out is like, you know, who am I going to be sitting next to? Mm-hmm. You know, and, you know, do I like that person? Mm-hmm. I'm with you. I'm right there with you. Yeah. I love it. Cool. Any other points? Nope. Not at this point. <laughs> Awesome. I, I, I think that was fantastic. As I, as I wrap up an interview, I like to close the interviews with three questions. And these three questions, I think, are the best part of the interview. Eh, they're not really. I, I, I'm a community buff. I love this stuff. But, but these, these three questions keep us coming back, right? First is, for the people who have been delighted by what it is that you have to share and actually want to see the original article and find you and, and read it there from 2003, where can they find you? 
Oh, thank you. So you can always find me on LinkedIn, Scott mm -hmm. K. Wilder, and I respond to everybody. You can also go to the CLG campus. I'm always hanging out there in the faculty lounge. And, you know, if you can, my email, scott.wilder at base dot AI, scott.wilder, mm -hmm. nice, scott.wilder at base dot AI. LinkedIn might be easier, but yeah, you know, I'm all about like helping, helping others, you know, with community and whatever they need help with. So feel free to reach out. Love it. That's why we're here. Second question. This is the, this is the big curveball. Hold um, on. Hold on. You ready? You ready? ready? There it is. That's it right there. <laughs> is there, is there a question that you wish I had asked, but didn't? Things to think about in terms of where community might go in the next, mm. next year. Yeah. Ooh, that one's juicy. Anything else? Other questions you mean? Yeah. I think that's, that's really it. And I, you know, I think it's, yeah, that would be it. Well, that's the third question then. What okay. are the things that we should be thinking about in terms of where community is headed this year and next? I, I, I do a podcast. I usually ask people also like what, who or what has influenced them the most, but in terms of trends, I would look at how education and learning is being integrated into community. So that's one. Mm -hmm. And uh, you can call it collaborative learning. There's different names for it. Two is if you're in a B2B space, advocacy and community are blending together. Three yeah. is, you know, the chat GPT thing is the NFT of today. It's like everybody is talking about it, but I think it does raise some really interesting questions in terms of community and content and how you integrate that. I also think, and it hasn't been as successful as I thought it would be, but I still am believing in voice. So we see a little bit on Discord, but, you know, you know, if I look at my kids and I look at younger generations, they don't type, they use yeah. voice. And yeah. so I think there's an interesting opportunity, whether you're, you know, building a community, building some collaborative thing, it's just how voice works. Yeah. With your platform. And then the last thing would be, you know, think about events and how that works with community as well. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Yeah. I have, I've, you know, I have a community and, and, and there seems to be a, a break at, at somewhere around, let's say 1985 or so people born before 1985 use text almost exclusively. And I'm in that group. And people born after 1985 use voice a lot more and maybe even to the point of almost exclusively. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, we, there's lots of interesting data about like voice and Google search and how it's being used more, but I don't see the platforms really thinking. I, I try and think about where uh, I'm, I know I showed baseball, but they, people like to talk about Wayne Gretzky and hockey. I'm a big hockey fan and where the puck's going to be. And, mm -hmm. You know, I think there's an opportunity for these platforms to think about how voice comes into play, you know, and in terms of collaborating. Hmm. Fun. And then I, another piece of this, I had a conversation with a friend of mine and, you know, technology is not there yet. I had a conversation with a friend of mine recently about his son who is 13 and, and an expert voice user for his you know, for his computing tools. 
And I was talking to him about it and I said, we're, we're going to get to the point, the technology is not there yet, but we're going to get to the point where you can speak to your computer more quickly than I can type, but we're not there right now. Yeah. Right now I can type more quickly than you can speak. Yeah. But so the other thing to think about, so that 13 year old, like when I grew up, I had to take a typing class. Yeah. So I can type really fast, but at least, at least the public schools in San Francisco don't do anything like that. And, and so, probably shouldn't. Yeah. The, the world is changing. I mean, I, I think I'd love to see them doing coding classes. I don't know if they are or not. Very but, simple coding. Not, not the, yeah. but typing is, typing is going to be gone. Yeah. It would be interesting to see if they have speed speaking classes so that you can speak faster than I can type. Yeah. But it's a really good point you bring up because I have a 13 year old and, you know, I, I'm very aware of how he speaks. And one of the reasons I'm aware of how he speaks, is not just because I'm his dad, but because he's going to have to be talking cool to you. <laughs> what? Because this stuff is cool to you. Yeah. Because this stuff is cool to me. No, it's definitely. Yeah. I mean, I've, I mean, we can tell another conversation. I've experimented a lot with, you know, writing memos with voice on my computer. Yeah. Yeah. Technology is not there, but it will be. And, and, and it has to be because I'm looking at the 13 year olds and I'm like, we, we can't have a world where I'm faster with a keyboard than they are with, with voice. Like that's the, the world has to change to accommodate that. Yeah. And it goes back to understanding your customer. <laughs> you go in the schoolyard. So I'll leave you with one last note. Go be in your customer's schoolyard. Mm. Mm-hmm. Ooh, wow. Yes. Uh, you know what? We need to close on that. <laughs> yeah. Get a couch. Listen. Yep. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Lucas. Thanks for joining us this week on Elements of Community. Make sure to visit our website, elementsofcommunity.us, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or via RSS, so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. Be sure to tune in next week for our next episode.